Hi, I'm the self-development coach, Johnny Lawrence, and welcome to the Self-Development Podcast. The goggles I had on were completely distorted. The way that I saw the world was from a fearful, traumatized, lack-based, you know, scary way. And I had to try and get them off. You know, you can you can overcome something that's hold, held you back. Uh, like, a, again, something you think about the world. You can realize it's not true and feel healed that day. In this episode, I'll be speaking with the fabulous Penny Jarrett. Penny works in the mental health and wellness space and uses her ADHD and CPTSD to help people overcome their complex mental health challenges. She's a writer, a mentor and a speaker, more recently performing a TEDx talk called How I Learnt to Fix My Broken Brain by Healing My Broken Heart. Such a beautiful title. This talk focuses on her ADHD and unresolved trauma experience and has gone on to help many people understand and heal themselves. Penny offers courses and a community that guides you towards helping, so healing and whole, whole blah, blah, blah. You, that's, that's fine. We can just go with that. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm is, good. Th- there is a thing, right? where I say that I read off a piece of paper and it's it's horrid. I, I hate it. I, whenever I can do it, I, I'll run it a couple of times before we start and then I'll run it when I do it and it just goes wrong every single time. <laughs> I thought I would get caught out on this CPTSD. That's why no, I you slowed like it down. You slowed it down. Nailed that, <laughs> but somehow messed up healing and wholeness. <laughs> worked that out. But I, I worked it's out like it, it, could, it, could, it could be a tongue twister, healing and wholeness. <laughs> that's true thanks for that that's kind that's very kind <laughs> <laughs> but i just realized that you just gotta own it right it's real yeah like people make it's mistakes conversation. You know? oh i, I sometimes mid-conversation forget what i'm saying and ask people to bear with me for about 90 seconds so you're doing great <laughs> thank you I, I i can't say i won't do that too so we're just <laughs> waiting to see. but how are you anyway i'm good i'm good thank you it's um nine 12 it's 9 a.m here on the east coast so it's only early i love yeah. staying on the east coast i feel like a weather reporter <laughs> but um yeah so it's morning so the day is just begun i'm i'm feeling good i'm happy to be here and i love your podcast so i'm happy to be a guest uh listen uh, i've been wanting to talk to you for a while man get you know we've got we share some sort of mutual friends and uh i don't know i feel like i should have we should have spoken ages ago to be honest but but we haven't yeah. but here we are so let's make the most of it <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but listen i i i watched your ted talk and i loved it i really did love it i thought it was so so well done and and i don't know just your your story and you know the the way in which you go through it i just i can imagine how helpful that's going to be to some people i really can so how do you feel about it um well I oh it was it was it's hard I love it I love um that I got everything in there that I wanted to but when the guys from the TEDx team reached out to me they actually asked me to do a TED talk on why women get diagnosed with ADHD a lot later than men or you know girls mm. and boys and um and that's because I'd written articles for HuffPost and uh, Stylist about that and because I was you know when I first got diagnosed I was really passionate about those stats but being someone who is just constantly trying to learn and dig deeper and understand exactly what I'm going through and not just like I can't just accept a label and be told Mm. something is permanent and not you know dig 
Um, and also because we just wanted to understand myself and help people understand themselves. Everyone's journey is different. And that's the reason why these things show up in dif differently in different people. So by the time, because COVID happened um, after they asked me to do it. Um, so I'd written kind of like some points on why women, sorry, why women get that, you know, got all my stuff together ready. Um, and and thinking I had to memorize an 18 minute talk off by heart, which blew my pajamas off. Yeah. Um, I but over time, like with the lockdown and then further research I was doing, I was like, wait, I, I don't want to just talk about why women get I want to talk about this. And if you saw the draft that I thought was final, it it was it would have been so much for anyone to absorb <laughs> because I was getting all of these other findings like. When I tell you, it it yeah. was it went so many directions that I tried to fit into, and it was just overwhelming me. So I watched a few TED talks of other people just sharing their story, not trying to be a teacher, and and that just inspired me to kind of hone it in, go with my story, um, go back and talk about some of the things that are a bit harder rather than just you know, so people can more relate rather than learn. Yeah. Um, but then I I in the end, yeah, I I, I loved it. It was just longer than longer than the 18 minutes well, what I loved is how you brought it all together like I, I just loved that because it, it I don't know it was just really like it had some real actionable stuff in it you know because that's something that when it comes to neurodiversity um you know there's not always a lot you feel that you can do you know sometimes it, there's that sort of like diagnosis of uh you know I don't know autism or ADHD or whatever and it's like right there you go Mm. And, and you're like you feel like oh well is that it then you know and 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 it's very much feels like because I got diagnosed with dyslexia and there was this moment of like all of me acknowledging all of these things that I didn't think I could do now you know mm. and then I was like well wait you've done all that so what the heck are you talking about <laughs> you, know, you know and then it was like okay true to form like well, what can I do well you can do this so you can do it how can you get around it and I and I saw that in your talk you know yeah you, you know it was almost like like don't fret We've got some, we, here's some stuff we could do. And I just thought it was brilliant. So I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can go and check it out. So hopefully. Thank you. Right people will get to see it. But I mean, for those that might not have met you yet and, and might not be following you yet, can you tell people a bit about yourself and sort of your unreal journey that you've been on so far? Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about every time I, I do uh, talk or like talk to anyone and I always think, how can I bullet point this? But um, <laughs> never, never going to be. Can we have the 25 minute version, not the other yeah, one? No, no, no. <laughs> I've got 28 in me. But, um, but um, basically I, I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was 30. So I'm 36 next week. So that was about six years ago. Um, and I... It, it shocked me because I didn't know what ADHD really was. I didn't know anything about mental health. I thought, you know, I I knew a lot about people. I I cared a lot about people. So I was able to kind of, you know, when I think about it now, it was almost like I was trauma informed before knowing what to be, to be trauma informed was. So going through quite a lot as a young person and um, I had quite a traumatic childhood and lived in and around a lot of dysfunction then, uh, witnessed a lot of domestic violence at home and then when I uh, was 16 got into 15 sorry got into my first say serious relationship but at 15 you, it sounds silly to say that but it was <laughs> and then um and then experienced my own um 
went through abuse and and domestic violence in that and 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 I had remained um hopeful and 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 just had this like I know if God's allowing this I, it's got to be used to help people and so I always wanted to write books that helped people go through other things I'd been through before all of that like I've experienced eating disorders and again um you know just living in kind of poverty and and then and an unstable home and I just I just felt so empowered throughout my life, throughout my 20s, just knowing that I'm going to help people. I want to work with children. I want to make sure that children that live in dysfunction know how amazing life can be and know how much they've got in them that they can pull out. And so I always had this and I knew that it's not always like that. When you go through certain things and when you've experienced a certain type of environment, it's it's that's not always the outcome it's that's quite a that's like a, a success story so to speak and I didn't really have um a lot of hands-on support so I knew it was you know I was I was I knew I was being given grace and I was being blessed to be able to see it like that so but then it got to a point where um I could I I, I started to lose that hope and I started to you know, I started to substance misuse and block out pain. And I, I had loads of grief that I'd never addressed. And, um, you know, when I was 15, as well as getting into that awful relationship, I also lost my mum to a drug overdose. And, and, and I still kind of remained up and I was, you know, just, just trying to see this, the, the good in, in life and try to not lose, you know, I keep saying hope, but this is what mm. it was. I, yeah. I, I remember, knowing that my hope was dwindling. Um, and it was, it, it came off the back of trying to clean my life up, trying to stop partying and, and smoking and drinking and doing all these things which were numbing my pain. Stop trying to, you know, find love in all the wrong places. And when I started to get that awareness, that's when I started to feel everything. And that's when I started. And obviously I was at the beginning of a healing journey. I didn't know that though. Yeah. I didn't know that when I stopped finding negative coping mechanisms I'm going to start to feel and remember things that I'd blocked out I didn't know that I thought mm. I was going to be off on my way <laughs> you know no hangovers no distractions but it, it felt quite the opposite at times and um, had I have known I you know I, I would have embraced it but I just um, I just again didn't know anything about mental health didn't know what depression was didn't know what PTSD was or even anxiety I thought I was just riddled with fear because of the fearful situations I'd been in yeah and so when I got diagnosed of ADHD a lot of a lot of my struggles made sense I knew I had to heal from stuff that had happened when I was younger and I just thought one day when I'm ready I'll just uh, spend a week in prayer and I'll come out healed it's just that right now I'm not doing that because I'm party penny and I'm not doing that <laughs> so no, when you I named yourself and everything <laughs> you know I was like when I clean up my life I'm not focusing on what I need to be when I do I'm going to be off on my way not having issues that relate to my childhood and not feeling scared of bad things happening to me. I'm going to be fine. But obviously that, <laughs> that week of prayer led to a process. Mm. Um, and so what I'm getting at is mental health was never spoken about around me in any of the places I'd been 
in any of the workplaces, uni, school, college, nothing. I'd never had positive conversations about mental health, only stories in, in my area of, you know, why, and, and sorry to put it like this, but oh, so-and-so was seen running down the street naked with a gun. Yeah, he's got mental health. Or watching news and, mm. and watching um, soaps and things about people with mental health, and it was always negative. Yeah. So finding out that I had ADHD made me aware of, neurodiversity made me aware of the fact that yeah I've had all this trauma but there's actually something different about my brain or my brain works in a different way and there must be so many other people going through this that haven't if I haven't heard the conversation and I thought I was wise there must be so many people struggling and not knowing why and they haven't even been through um you know haven't had a bad childhood or haven't been through the obvious things I had which I knew had changed me and so I then became really passionate about trying to understand it. I did feel lots of relief with the diagnosis because I thought, okay, so I don't have to go and deal with all the trauma right now. I could just deal with ADHD. Um, and then, yeah, and then I I was told that it was an incurable, this is the, the words I was presented with. It's an incurable brain disorder, but you can function. I was like, hun, I've functioned, come on. Did you have to say it like that? I've been I functioning. <laughs> I didn't get dropped here by a helicopter. I, I'm functioning. I but um but it was it was just a feeling of kind of like, you know, I, I thought I had I thought that what I was experiencing with the hopelessness and feeling nothing and feeling numb and feeling less empathetic and you know, just different. I thought mm. this sounds like stories I've heard about menopause. And whilst I you know, I know women can go through menopause at lots of different ages and I didn't have other symptoms. I thought, well, I have turned 30 um, and I do feel worse before my period, which I didn't before. I weren't somebody who had, um, you know, PMS or my, I didn't feel like now I, because I'm like not using substances and doing all these things, I know <laughs> I yeah. feel the change before my period. I know but I never experienced that before. I never knew that I'm going to feel very different and sometimes a bit meh, you know? And so- <laughs> Is that so a medical when, term? Yeah, yeah literally. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I, re yeah, so again, I thought I'm going through something with my hormones, but it turned out I was diagnosed with ADHD. And funnily enough, during lots of my research, as I mentioned earlier, I probably, I also probably definitely had a, a hormone imbalance too. Mm. But um but when I got told that I would have to take um, medication for the rest of my life, um, because there's no other really way I've got severe combined ADHD. So there's, you know, some people more have attention deficit. Some people are more lead over to the hyperactive side. I, mm. I don't, I'm not necessarily a fan of them just separating it into two like that, but mm. it's how the, uh, how doctors work. Yeah. Um, and um, I was told I had both and severe. So what I, when I was told I had to take medication, I was just like, that's, that's definitely, I'm definitely not going to take medication because I was scared of it. And I didn't know anything about medication. So do you but, not take medication then? I don't, but no, I have, wow. I, I did at one point. Yeah. Um, but, but so when the doctor said that, I said, no, 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 I'll just want therapy. I just want, I've heard about CBT. I just want you to, I just want someone to teach me how to get over some of these things. I didn't know what I was saying, but I wanted someone, I wanted a coach, mm. you know, I wanted, I, 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 that's what I wanted. I didn't know that that's, that's what I was asking for. And so 
the doctor was just like, no, that's he's a psychiatrist. He's like, I'm a prescriber, hun. And so he was just like, wow. you know, the, so what I decided to do was to pretend to take the medication um, and then tell him it doesn't work. So then he could give me therapy, you know. Um, but what I did instead is I just went and researched how people manage ADHD medication free and started to do what I'd learned and had a great time, felt in control, felt, you know, I knew what, what, how ADHD was showing up. Just knowing that I was able to have more compassion for myself, know how to manage my time so that I could not have, and the way that it felt to me is so that ADHD wouldn't win some days. Um, and then what happened is on that journey, um, some, um, some bad things were happening around me. Just sorry if this is a, a trigger warning for anyone, but uh, the Grenfell fire happened at the bottom of my road. Um, and also uh, a colleague and friend um, took their own life at work um, after asking me, the, the day after asking me to help them in some way, yeah. um, because they heard that I, I heard you're, you're talking about mental health online. Like, can you, can we have a chat? And I didn't get around to having that chat with him, but he took mm -hmm. his own life. So when those things happened, um, I with the with the Grenfell thing, I I noticed that I went numb. I where I would, I just noticed that this, you know, and then that happened, and 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 basically I got asked to do a talk um, at an event around. Um, they, there was a fundraiser for people from Grenfell uh, to help support the survivors of Grenfell. Um, and they, it was gonna be at an opening of a chicken place, like a Caribbean chicken restaurant. It's funny, I haven't right. actually, I don't think I've mentioned this in an interview before, cause I, I'm remembering it now and I. Um, <laughs> but I told you, you should, have, you should have asked me for bullet points. <laughs> but, um, so I got asked to do a talk about, um, about ADHD there. Um, I don't know, I don't know how it was related, but I think they wanted talk speakers to speak about, about different things and just to bring awareness. But I was like, it's going to be difficult because at the time I was managing ADHD by cutting out certain foods and, and meat at the time was one of them. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I, they said, okay, well, could you do one on PTSD? And I was like, I, I know a bit about PTSD, not a lot, but I'll, I'll look into it. Um, and I was going through such a hard time. I was like drinking, drinking just to get the confidence to do it. Mm. And when I, and this was on the day of the talk. And then when I looked it up, I realized that what I was experiencing, I, I, I went to research deeply CPTSD to do the talk based around it. And I thought, this is what I'm experiencing. And funnily enough, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, CPTSD, is what people who have either lived in a traumatic place, like a war zone or poverty or uh, domestic abuse, like lived in or any kind of abuse, lived in an environment where there's a traumatic, you know, trauma. Yeah. Or somebody who's had a lot of traumatic things happen and not had support um, after any of them. So it's all kind of become complex. And I was like, every kind of point as to why someone could have CPTSD was me. Yeah. But the thing that interested me was that it showed up in the exact way ADHD does, but 
also the fact that I weren't able to feel I was, my hope was being lost, you know? Mm. And, um, and so I couldn't, I couldn't really do the talk. I, I did get on the stage and I, I, I can't remember how I, how I got out of it, but the organizer was amazing, but it was just so hard for me to talk to people about it. Um, and then I went to, I went and, and spoke to someone and yeah, that's when I got diagnosed with CPTSD. Um, and it was funny because that made, you know, I'm not saying ADHD didn't make sense. Cause yeah, I ticked loads of the boxes that fall under the 6.4 trillion traits, Whoa. But, but there were so many under ADHD and I resonated with loads of them, but not all of them, but the ones, but when I dug deeper into CPTSD and saw that depression and anxiety are symptoms of CPTSD and dug deeper into those and went further, 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 I was like, do I have ADHD or do I have CPTSD? I know they're saying I've got both, but I mean, if I concentrated on actually healing my trauma and you can't just sit down and concentrate no, on it. But I mean, if I really thought about what I've been through and tried to seek help around that and tried to, you know, reframe limiting beliefs, get, you know, all of the, you know, your, your brain gets disrupted when you're experiencing, your brain development gets disrupted when you're experiencing certain things as a child. If I was to work on kind of, reparenting myself and all of that stuff like would I would I really have these ADHD traits that led to that diagnosis or would I have them less severe if I if I'm having them double maybe I could focus on eliminating the one that is healable and doesn't yeah. I don't get told I need lifelong medication for you know so that's where the title of the TED talk came how I learned to because because the term, what people used to describe ADHD as is broken brain. It's like yeah. kind of a term that was used. And so I even did a film with a filmmaker called Broken Brain about ADHD. It's so it's so destructive that, isn't it? If you yeah. think about it, like it just labels you immediately broken. I know. You know, but it's, also, it, it's funny because, you know, a lot of us, when we're struggling so deeply, to, to admit that we're broken is a lot easier than it, like looking at all of the things that it's like, I'm, I'm broken. I work different. Obviously some people are like, I'm never saying that. And, mm. and I now have stepped into that place, but because I felt so guilty for a lot of the things that I had fallen short on, yeah. I, I was really comfortable just saying I'm broken. Yeah. No, no, but I, that's, that's no. okay. But what I mean is other yeah. people forcing that term on you. Um, that's yeah. the bit, you know, I, Imagine owning that. Yeah. And it, and it's like, you know, I know that, you know, I've got a set of friends who, you know, I come from a very traumatic background myself. I share a lot of the same upbringing as, as you do. I resonate greatly with it. Um, and we use humor all the time, all the time. And like, I, I remember once we were away um, uh, as a couples um, and uh, the lads were sat over a little way. We we're having some beers and we were talking and, me and a friend were were laughing about some of the really obviously quite horrendous things that happened, but we were talking about it as if it was if, as if it was humorous in some way, realizing not realizing at the time that that was the way we coped with it. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends walked off crying. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, whoa, hang on a minute. I mean, this is a long time ago. That's when I realized that, wait a second, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the way to deal with this. Maybe this isn't the right way to think about this, but I mean, people say, you know, the term, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you cry. Yeah, is yeah. Well, and I often find out if I'm with Marines or whatever, that like we have a similar humor and they're like, are you a Marine? I'm like, no, <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm really not a Marine. 
but you know, like you say, when I you see, seen... I haven't been on the front line, hun. No, but but like, when you think about it, like you know, some of the things that we've been through, you're, you're right. That that's exactly the right term. You know, is if you didn't laugh, you would cry. You know, you would be sad all the time. I mean, I resonate a lot with that. What you're just talking about, losing hope, because I had I had a really surreal moment once when you know I had to move out of my family home because of violence and stuff when I was about 16, 17 years old. I was working quite a few jobs. And I was walking back from one of my jobs late at night and I was crying because I didn't have any money. And I was thinking to myself, like, is this really what life is? Like, is this how hard life is? This can't be right, you know? And I, I wasn't suicidal or anything, but that's exactly the right term. I was just losing hope. I was mm. just like, what's the point of this? Like, I don't understand. This is so hard. You know, I'm doing everything yeah. I can. I can't, I've got no more hours left in a day and I still haven't got any money. And I had a gas meter. And uh, yes, to, to pay money, put on the card and put the card I know in there. Fun. And it was just like magic, like, like just suck all the money up and gone, you know, but I didn't have any money. And uh, I remember walking down this alley, crying, losing hope, losing hope. And I got to the end of that alleyway. And this is what happened. I looked on the floor and there was 20 quid. Uh... And I was just like, whoa. And I just, I just broke down, man. I just couldn't believe it. And it was just like, you know, sometimes in life, you know, I always say this to clients, I would say like, never give up because if you give up, that could have been the moment before you find your 20 quid, you know, and yeah. you just don't know, you don't know what's around the corner, you know, yeah. so hope so important. And, you know, I think you highlighting that is exactly right. Yeah. It's what you, um, one of the defining moments actually that led me to go and seek, you know, some answers was that just like what you said, I weren't suicidal, but for the first time, despite everything I'd been through, and and I this this sounds like I'm a line from my uh from my TED talk, but my TED talk is just much me talking. So it does sound, <laughs> it, it does sound scripted. I, I, I cringe when I say a line from my TED talk. Oh, you might like, have seen me in such hey, things as my TED talk. I mean, way back when. No, but the, the 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 defining moment for me was that I weren't suicidal, but for for despite everything that had happened. And like I said, I was always hopeful and I was always like, I'm going to use this to help people. I'm going to write books. I'm going to, you know, uh, foster children. And, and, but I understood why people took their own lives mm. and I'd never had, mm. I'd never had, I'd always had a hope. So not that I ever judged, but when I'd hear that people taking their own lives, I thought, so if I've been through all of this and I wouldn't even that wouldn't cross my mind because I'm so excited about everyone. I can help with all of the, despite the, you know, the pain at the time is like, how am I going to get out of this? But when you do feel that glimmer, you're like, I can't wait to set people free. I can't mm. wait. But then one day I, well, it was a few times the week before my period, I understood. I was like, I, I understood what I, I was like, I get why people don't want to be here. Mm. And, and that was the first time I'd heard myself say that. And, and I was like, okay, this it's time to nip this in the bud. Yeah, because that is a very serious frame of mind. And uh, I share that with you, actually, that I, you know, I can't say I've necessarily been suicidal, but there has been some times in life where it's just felt so impossible that I'm just like, what's, what's the point? And I, and I get it. I get it. And I also understand, and I say this respectfully, um, how someone can make a, a terrible decision in a moment. Mm. and and not really mean it if, as mm. such you know and how it could just go too far so that's why it's so important like people like yourself are telling their stories um because that feeling that somebody else has been through it and is doing okay that's hope yeah that's that's what it is it's hope you know and you know you and i i, I often relate 
what I went through and you know, it sounds like you've gone through a lot of the similar stuff too, as, as our programming, mm-hmm. you know, like we were programmed to think and feel a certain way all the time. That's like, yeah. you know, that this body that we, that we have is, is that, is our hardware and the programming is all the stuff that we were given to us by people that brought us up. You know, yeah. that's not just our parents, that's extended family, that's people on the street, you know, yeah. People on the street, they'll take you in like a family, wouldn't they? <laughs> you know? And that, you know? that's why I said our our, our, de- our brain development, mm. if, if you want to call it that, or the way that our, our soul perceives the world is disrupted. It's completely disrupted. And, and when I said earlier, I had to, you know, reframe some limiting beliefs. That's a very light way of saying I had to unlearn everything. The, the, the goggles I had on were completely distorted. Mm. The way that I saw the world was from a fearful, traumatized, lack-based, you know, scary way. And I had to try and get them off. Yeah. And yeah. and that just for anyone, it just came into my mind where people think, you know, you go to a retreat, you spend time in therapy, and then you heal. It's 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 not. It's you know, you can you can overcome something that's hold, held you back. Uh, like again something you think about the world you can realize it's not true and feel healed that day because you've just stripped back something that has directed you in a bad way but then also you can be you can uh, feel like you've overcome so many things and then you get you go for a new phase in life like you get into a relationship or you have a child and I haven't had a child yet but from speaking to people and then you just go, you feel like you've gone backwards and mm. it, it's not the case. It's again, you, there are things in you that feel so normal because it's part of your programming, like you've said. And, yeah. and until you, you know, can see the, the opposite or see the truth, um, it can always make you feel bound. Yeah. Well, our programming is, it's a bit like, you know, like our phones, right. You know, Apple sends an update and if you don't update your program, your software on your phone, it stops working properly. <laughs> and it, and that's, and that's kind of how it goes. Literally. You know, I, I had a really simple, a, a similar sort of feeling when I had children. Well, I didn't, my wife did, but I, I was part of it. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I was there, <laughs> but, uh, but um, when I had my son, uh, I had a new perspective on 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 my childhood trauma and the way that my father was towards me, and that messed me up. And I couldn't be messed up because I had to be a dad, and my wife needed me, and she was recovering from labour and stuff. And it was just this thing of okay, I I know what he did was wrong. I know that all the things were unkind, and or and you know he must have been going for his own things and all that sort of stuff. I get all that. But then when I held my son and I looked at my son, I thought, what? How? What? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like. And it just, it just like malfunctioned. <laughs> I couldn't handle that. So you're right. Like you can, you can get, a fu- you can only get so far sometimes until the next part of your life unfolds. And then it gives you what you need to, to move on and do the next part of the healing, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. So, and that's it. That's why it's a journey because, you know, I think, you know, th- th- like I said to you before we recorded the scariest statement in the whole wide world is I'm all fixed. It's like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it is it's in some of those moments where you have um, an epiphany or you you do experience a, 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 a moment or a day of healing or you realize, whoa, I've just remembered a moment of abandonment or neglect from my childhood, which makes me look at my partner like this. And it's all because of that day. I'm free. And you have all this, all these happy chemicals and you see it. And then, you know, he... Well, he uh, 
something happens and it's it feels like you've lost it when well, it, it just feels feel. like you've got choice doesn't it yeah all of a sudden it just feels like all of a sudden you you've got a choice not to think that way because you understand it now you know now yeah. I understand why I'm doing it or what leads me to think this way I can choose to not do it now whereas yeah. before it might have felt a bit more like a compulsion or, or just who you are you know yeah um but I mean you know what is for those that are not sure, like what is ADHD and, and most importantly, how does it present differently in men and women? So ADHD is stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Silly name for what it is, but so it goes. No, no um, short title. Huh? Nice and short. You know, it doesn't even does let's not. just throw all the words at it. Come on. You know, it doesn't that doesn't paint the picture. Yeah, it's like um, dyslexia. I hate that word. Especially yeah. as a dyslexic. It's like who spelt that word? I don't understand. You know, you know. <laughs> so cruel. <laughs> Literally. Um trying to say that you've got it. And yeah, you're like, it yeah, can you I write know. it down? No, I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> like where does the why um, come from? Like anyway, sorry. You know. Um, and so some of the things that I've, um, I've kind of identified happen in the diagnosis. I'm going to call it that because again, it's different for everyone and, you know, your past experiences, the way that you've coped with pain and trauma all plays a part. So do your hormones, so do the condition of your blood and what you're putting into your body. So because you've asked specifically about ADHD, I'll talk about the diagnosis. And mm. some of the things that I've noticed are the defining kind of, because um, there's so many traits, I could list them yeah. off here forever. But, um, you know, it's it's pe people with ADHD are known to have an interest-based nervous system, which means that um, they find, they, we find it hard to um, put energy or attention into things that don't stimulate them. Right. Um, and don't and so and also an understimulated brain so always looking for stimulation in other places um also struggle with executive functioning which can be um the the deciding you know deciding to do something and actually going to do it there's also impulsivity there is hyperactivity um and again the inattention uh, which is known as an inability to pay attention which is not the case it's just um, the ability to pay attention to so many things at once and give most energy to the ones that are interesting. That's so interesting. that can sound like, well, that's, that's, that's normal. And I guess, you know, like I said to you before recording as well, people with ADHD go through things that everyone goes through. We all forget things. We all lose mm. things. We all um, have hyper moments, but it's just, you know, in the wrong environments or mm. inability to prioritize because of it. So for instance, someone, with ADHD might be able to um, Google and research penguins for four hours. And that's one of our superpowers is the ability to hyper-focus. Have so you it's done why, that? It's why, yes. It's why, it, <laughs> it's why it's a really helpful to do a job that you like or or to be around um you know or to find reward because also sorry a lack of dopamine production is something that people with adhd have and when you lack dopamine which is um a reward chemical hormone um you don't feel you don't feel good as often so mm. you'll find things that make you feel that reward or that 
rush of happy chemicals. So it's why a lot of people with ADHD struggle with substance misuse and don't necessarily get as high or drunk as a person who doesn't because mm. it kind of, it, it, they're looking for dopamine, which is what these chemicals, which these substances give you. And where someone could drink a few glasses of wine and be all over the place because they're drunk, a person with ADHD might, and not everyone, might just feel how you might feel at two in the afternoon, mm. you know? And so when talking about, I've gone all over the place, but talking about finding things that stimulate you, like for instance, sitting and, and going through and replying to emails, that, that might be important. Someone with ADHD might put that off because it's not stimulating enough to hold their focus. So they might try and do a few things at once. And 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 again, it's the, these are some of the defining factors. So with all of that, um, in boys, and I guess this is just based on, I, I guess, the, the original way that the defining kind of nature of a man, yeah. nature of a male, nature of a female used to be kind of described, but it, it would show up in boys as, um, you know, the, the inattention and I guess the hyperactivity will come up as disruptive. The, yeah. you know, and if, if they're more kind of steered toward masculine activity, it might also lead to a- aggression and, and not put in. So you'd find in young people and maybe even adults that they do more risky behavior. They are hyper. They might, you know, in school, I guess, throw things around and be really loud. And, yeah. and, and I guess in adulthood, I'm, you know, I'm, I can't speak for all men, but it, it might show up in, um, you know, the, the understimulated might show up in and un- unable to commit in relationships because that con- the stimulation of the first stages of it, it's not that they're bored. Like people say, oh, we're bored easy. It's not, it's a stimulation of starting something is great. But then after that, it's wanting that again. And because mm-hmm. they got such a rush from the beginning of a relationship or kissing someone for the first time, they might just want to do that all the time. And then they're like, oh, you're, you can't commit. And it's just that actually I'm just looking for stimulation all the time. And this is the way that it, I do it. You know, and I'm not saying it's not the same for women, but a man that I've coached and worked with, that was one of the things that he um, struggled with, even though he'd been in love. He just that's where he got his dopamine from when he yeah. stopped using substances. And then in and, and I talk about as a young person, because that's when a diagnosis could and should really happen to help you as an adult. Um, and then in girls, the reason why girls don't get diagnosed as much um, is because and again, we we should really talk about when you're younger because when you're an ad when you're younger and you're presenting these behavior patterns you've got parents a lot a lot of people or teachers that are watching you because that's their job when you're an adult you just it just you just go wayward and you struggle and and so young people again so boys disruptive distractible throwing things around unable to process emotions emotional dysregulation is a thing mm. rejection sensitive um so kind of trying to avoid being rejected by doing too much. Um, I'm going all over the place. No, no, no. But also, again, yeah, trying to, it's just a a very kind of outward expression, meltdowns and stuff like that. And with girls, because girls in school might have been more reserved traditionally or commonly, it would be more of a like, you know, having the, the, the low stimulation might, instead of, running around and doing things they might overthink um and start to like find things to focus on which can be inward so that can present in a way where 
you know, having a focus on how you look and that can lead to eating disorders. Also the physical things, biting your nails because that's stimulating and that kind of the hyperactivity gets kind of fed when you're biting your nails or twisting your hair or daydreaming and drifting off and and things like that. And I am going all over the place and I no, feel like I'm I, making it clear. But the reason I'm I'm doing I'm I'm kind of struggling with just saying this in a clear way, like I probably used mm. to be able to, is because I'm I'm so torn between just saying this is just ADHD. Yeah. Because it it's not just, do you know what I mean? It's not just how ADHD presents. Yeah, it can make, you know, if you were to just say, okay, so if someone with ADHD doesn't produce as much dopamine, does has an interest-based nervous system, um, struggles with emotional regulation and has an understimulated brain, then let's kind of look at how to do things, make life work for them so that those things are taken care of. And then all these behavior patterns and all mm. these, struggles and thoughts wouldn't necessarily happen to the degree that they do that they do does that make sense it does and and something i picked up on there i might be wrong but it felt like that you were sort of gesturing towards the idea that 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 males or boys um are sort of a bit more outward and and that women females are a bit more sort of inward they they sort of you know, like you said, you know, eating disorders, focusing on themselves uh, as a, a sort of traditional sign. But as we all know, in, in all these different diagnoses in neurodiversity, nobody's typical. Yeah, There's no exactly. such thing. So it is a, it's a very difficult question to ask. Uh, and it, again, it, it, these are just, these are, I'm, I was just, I was kind of given my spin through experience with myself and work with people on the diagnosis and the traits. Mm. So again, every that some of the things are forgetfulness cutting people off when they're speaking because the you know the the inability to just kind of the impulsivity just wanting to say it before you forget um you know late for everything going to leave the house and then thinking actually let me just go and sort out my dvds into alphabetical order i'm five minutes early but it takes two hours so time blindness not knowing how long things oh wow yeah you're putting things off saying i'll do it later why because it's not stimulating i know it's important i know the sink is six feet high and i and i do want to clean it but it's not going to stimulate me so i'll do something else quickly to stimulate me to give me the motivation and then shatter yourself because you've spent six hours doing it and never get around to the dishes oh, you know this- it's just it's just, you know, there's going to be so many people resonate with that. There really is. things, you yeah. know. That's a, that's, that's a great example, though. A really good example, yeah. because I, I know someone that does that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they'll get a lot of peace from knowing that it's, it, it's, it's well. Yeah. And it's not degree. like, oh, this is because, oh, this is ADHD. It's just, no, I have an understimulated brain. Mm. Um, or I need more stimulation. I'm not motivated to do that. The importance of the dishes being done doesn't motivate me like it would someone else. The importance yeah. of calling up British Gas to get the, the you know, or whoever to get the, the cooker working again. I want to, because I need to cook dinner later, but I don't want to sit on the phone. So I'm going to quickly do something just to give me a good feeling <laughs> so I can do it. Six weeks later, it's freezing in the house because it's uh, now. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah, like, I do, I do. It's like the the prioritizing things based on importance um, rather than feeling and and reward systems mm. is is completely you know it goes out the window and so and there are again you could say it's I I just need I I don't 
get a reward from doing that, even though I need to do it. I don't get mm. a reward from doing online shopping because I don't want to sit on the website, but I need to eat later. Yes. I'm going to waste money ordering food now, you know? And then, and so what you, what, you know, and I'm just going to give a little solution because, because again, these things, you, you, yeah, you can take medication, which makes you hone in and focus and you can't get out your chair until your lips are dry. And all of a sudden emails seem interesting because they're important. Great. Yeah. There's downsides to that, but also just breaking things up into small stuff. Like I don't enjoy doing the dishes, but guess what I'm going to do? I am going to spend 10 minutes doing the dishes or I'm going to do 10 dishes. And then after that, I'm going to spend 20 minutes playing words with friends. So that's the reward system. And that's the like way that. to break things down. And that's, you know, um, and, right, and so, yeah. That's quite a successful way to approach anything, I think as well, you know, mm-hmm. but I tell you what, I tell you what I was really interested in is, can you explain what emotional dysregulation is and how it can impact you and, and uh, how you can help yourself? Cause I found that really interesting, you know, when you spoke about that in your Ted talk. Yeah. So emotional dysregulation. And again, it can be different for everyone. It's just an inability to understand and process your emotions. And so something really small can feel really big. Um, you know, I, I'm saying this now. And again, you know, sorry for anyone that came here to get full ADHD mm. you know, info, because yeah. I'm going to have to bring it back to childhood or not childhood, but any kind of trauma. We've yeah. all been through things that were difficult. Mm. And a lot of us have coped better than we thought we ever could. And the reason why is because we brushed it under a rug. It's not to say, no, I was cool with it. Yeah, but it had an impact on the way that you saw the world and worked and it had an impact on your brain. Might not feel it straight away, but over time, it has the effect on your nervous system and your your neurons. Mm -hmm. And so, so, yeah, emotional dysregulation as a thing that, you know, we've noticed that everyone with ADHD kicks off over small things or cries over small things or doesn't feel sometimes when something big happens or, you know, or mm. doesn't have the the self-control to not kick off when they, you know, they should, they should have that self-control. But then also if someone has been through a lot of trauma that they don't remember or they don't think about, then things are going to trigger them and they don't even know why. So I'm going to say, yeah, emotional dysregulation is the inability to regulate your emotions, to, yeah. to, to know when something isn't as serious as it feels, to know that you're overreacting to something because it's messed up your routine. You know, oh, this has happened and all of a sudden I, I, I'm, my, my schedule's ruined. So yeah. burst into tears, you know, and, and it's like, is that, that okay it's emotional dysregulation and it falls under the ADHD diagnosis but if you have not learned how to process your emotions or you no one was there to nurture your emotions or you you weren't ever feeling safe enough to do it in a way you didn't open yourself up for love and you finally do and then everything your partner does makes you angry or tearful because why you think they're going to neglect you or you think that they're disrespecting you why because you were hurt in the past so there I'm going to always bring them both back because this, the diagnosis is that I have ADHD and CPTSD. They look identical. Yeah. When you look at the traits, when, when you look at the traits, why did I get diagnosed with that? Because of this, 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 this. Why did I get diagnosed with that? Because of this, this, this. Well, guess what? I definitely went through lots of trauma. So I get that. Why do I have to have an incurable brain disorder too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That in itself is kind of traumatic, right? Yeah. But yeah. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, oh, I'm being stroppy, like whatever, no. but, 
I'm going to focus on why these things show up in a person who has been through what I've been through because yeah. I can tackle that rather than, oh, that's just my ADHD. Let me just take medication for the rest of my life and it will be okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying I, no. you know, like I said, when I, when I went through the traumatic experiences that led to the CPTSD diagnosis, I then realized I couldn't manage my ADHD in the successful way that I was. And I'd learned for a friend that medication isn't as bad as I thought. So I went on medication and it helped me. Yeah. Sometimes you know, it's that crutch, isn't yeah. it? That gets you well, where I'm, you need to go. Exactly. Yeah. It's it, it and and it, and it's great for 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 me. I say this because of my own experience and how I feel, but it's great for temporary, mm. you know, and for support. And and even when I decided to stop taking it, there were days when I still did. Mm. the odd day and and i'm and i you know and i still have medication there i still didn't finish the bottle so it's there and i and i'm aware that i can on a day that i might need to but it it gives me the same effect as um you know similar to maybe three coffees and four red bulls which well, we know that makes your eyes shake I, so, I bet it would, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, do I, do I, do I if it, you know what I'm getting yeah, at. So yeah, again, yeah. I'm not against medication. I've taken yeah. it, but I just don't want to, I don't feel empowered fully um, knowing that I there's one that I can really dig deeper on. Yeah. Um, I know it's going to be hard and I know I'm going to need support, but that's fine. And that is available. Yeah. And so is the medication side, but there are bad sides to taking the medication that I didn't want for my body. I didn't no. want. And, and it that's important, pride, isn't it? To do that research and understand it wasn't a pride that. thing. Yeah. The research was I took it and felt the differences, you know, yeah. I saw my hair falling out. Mm. I, I felt anxiety worse than I ever have because of the medication. Yeah. I could focus at work a bit more and I could get through uh, my email list and do and tick off more tasks, but I could also do that with a little bit more energy into time management and also grace not being obsessed with ticking off everything yeah you know it's the ticking will... thing is a big thing i know somebody yeah. that has a, that yeah. issue i you know what makes you super special in my opinion on this front anyway i'm sure you have many reasons for being special but, but on this for the sake of this conversation is the fact that you made that association between adhd and cptsd get yeah, got it but and and it's that trauma because i think really when you stop and you take a look at trauma trauma can B, I didn't get picked for sports at school. 100%. And that can be trauma. People yeah. think that we live in an age now where everybody can share their stories online. And that's lovely, you know, and yeah. it, it helps so many people. But for the people that are experiencing trauma-like symptoms, but don't have a sort of backstory or origin story that, that meets somebody else's because they're comparing, which should never mm -hmm. be done, that their trauma feels just as bad to them. As, as the person that's been through something really, you know, you know, difficult at home or, you know, yeah. stuff similar to us. So I think when that's you look at it really, like that. that really, sorry to go on. We no, just but when, you, when you think that about was it. One of my that was one of my right. traits showing up. I got it. I got it. I got it. I, I, I can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when, no, don't cut me off. I'll be like, okay, sorry. <laughs> I actually don't believe that. <laughs> You'll be like, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But no, but what I'm getting, I suppose, is that if trauma can be somebody not picking you at school, um, being told you can't go to someone's party, um, I don't know, like not having enough money to do something, you know, whatever it is that 
some people might go, oh, well, you know, I, I was this and I was that. Like, if it can be something like that, then surely everyone to a degree can have complex trauma problems. You know? um, this is why I said we've all been through difficult things that we haven't processed. And, yeah. and like, again, so what you just said, if somebody hasn't been picked at school for a sport and they expected to be, and after, and it devastated them. Mm. And then after that, and they were eight, eight years old. After that, nobody reassured them, comforted them, and just said to them, you know, you're amazing at this sport, but I had to pick my friend because they were upset last night. Or, mm. you know, you might not have been picked, but you, it doesn't matter. That doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah. just a one word can cut the, the future difference. So if someone doesn't have that, depending on the kind of, depending on they could go home and say mom I didn't get picked and their mom reaffirms them all night listen you are amazing they they probably didn't pick you because you know all of mm. that children just take that in and run with it and they that cut off the trauma now if that doesn't happen that person might never cry about it because they don't want to seem like a crybaby or weak because that is a thing in school but what they do is they practice that sport to the point where they're professional in 20 years. They're a professional footballer, mm. but they have issues around rejection yeah. in different areas of their life. Mm. And it shows up in all of their romantic relationships. And why? Because they did become the best at the sport, but they they never got the support around. Mm. They, they did that to overcompensate and great if if your pain turns you into a professional things good for you that is amazing but also you need to know that you didn't have to do that to yeah. be what you wanted to be at school which was accepted yeah. you don't have to do that to be accepted you, you you still have to deal with the rejection wound that happened and again one word can can stop someone being traumatized one word one hug but this you know. is why it's so important, you know, because one of the questions I have on here is, is like, why is it so important? Because I, I get, I hear this all the time. Like people say, Johnny, I, I love what you do. It's really great. But I don't really think there's any point in me sort of talking about stuff that happened in the past. I don't see any use in that. And I know I don't see any use in bumming myself out and stuff like that. But the thing is, if you don't talk about these things, you won't understand these things. If you don't understand these things, then you've taken away the option of choice. In those moments when, you know, you, you're having a problem with your partner or you're having a disagreement with a work colleague or you're trying to make a decision that's really important and you haven't got the, all the information because you've got this one thing that started really small, but over the years you've collected more and more evidence to yep. support this original yep. incident. And then you get to a point where you make a catastrophic decision because you didn't talk about this and understand it. And I think, yep. like, how do you feel about that? about what make the yeah about, about people like because i get that all the time people saying that to me that you know yeah, i was like that work. though to, yeah. to be honest you know and this is where i you know kind of when i started to learn about the cptsd and understand that i you know i need to dig deeper mm. when i did get diagnosed with adhd the guy that the psychiatrist that spoke to me when we sat down to talk about it, like, you know, I'd been referred to him. Uh, my doctor had said, yeah, it, you know, I got told to go to an ADHD specialist just to confirm, but you, we do think you have ADHD. Did loads of research, was like, yep, 
definitely got it. Um, when I, I, so I went and said, I'm here because I think I have ADHD. I've looked into it. I do. And I just want you to, um, I've come here for you. I don't really need the diagnosis. I just need you to get me some CBT, please. You know, just get me, yeah. would like some support around how to manage it. Um, but he decided to sit down and ask me questions about my childhood for an hour. And I had never been like, I hadn't really been to therapy. I'd been to a few counseling sessions before, but never really opened up. Didn't really like talking about the hard things I'd been through. Cause didn't want to ever paint my mom in a bad light. Didn't want to remember things and didn't want to expose myself as a, 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 a hurt person. Mm. And so I didn't really talk about these things. Um, and even like hid, hid a lot of it when I did have counseling opportunities. But when he started digging deeper and asking me these questions and I'd skirt over the answers and he would dig deeper and ask things that I was telling him for an hour, like my voice was shaking with all mm. of the stuff about my childhood that I had to tell him. And then, you know, he wasn't a therapist. Well, it wasn't like sensitive and trying to help. It wasn't a therapy session, put it that way. Mm. So I was open. I'd let all this stuff out. And he was like, so you do have ADHD, but we need to talk about the fact that you, you are experiencing severe trauma too. And I was like, we've just spoken about that. I feel awful. No, thanks. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the ADHD. Give me the medication. I'll take it. It's fine. And, and, and I made it because I was like, what I've just experienced for that hour with no comfort or no cushion, you want me to now focus on this and, yeah. and, and not my, and excuse me, but no, I heard that, that ADHD can be helped. Let's talk about that. I didn't plan to bring all that stuff up. So it's funny that I, I hadn't, I didn't see a need then, even then when I didn't know what he was saying about the why I didn't get, I didn't ask him why, what's the trauma stuff that you've just pulled out of me got to do with this? You've just said, I do have ADHD. Yeah. It's like, I didn't see a need to go into talking about all that. Why? Because I don't cry about it anymore. I don't, you know, I, I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. I am hopeful. So I don't see a need to bring it all up. Didn't know that all, all, all of my behavior patterns I have in relationships, in friendships, in the things I'm scared of were all attached to my childhood. I thought it's just how I am, mm. you know? So, so I get why people don't see a need to talk about it because they don't feel like they're currently affected by it because of lack of awareness, not hearing conversations of how trauma shows up. Like if, if I was, if someone listens to this now and hears that the way that childhood trauma that, that, you know, happened, some people have been through things that they know happened to them. They don't really remember it. So they're not having flashbacks. They're not scared. They're not, but they know something happened. They know mm. what happened. Yeah. Um, but if I was to say that that thing that happened is could be the reason you can't concentrate um, and why you have anxiety, but anxiety medication doesn't work for you, then you might, even if I just simply said, it's the reason why you, um, I don't know. Self-destructive behavior. Yeah. Reason yeah. why you, yeah, have self-destructive behavior. Then, then people, because they're hearing these conversations in a normal way with people that have experienced it, even the one where lack of focus, inability to concentrate, inability to manage money, right? Yeah, but we weren't poor. Yeah, but your nervous system's a state. So mm. it's like, if when people hear that, they're like, okay, so I'm, I think I'm okay about the trauma that happened to me, but I'm not okay with how I cannot complete tasks. 
I start things and never finish them, mm. which is also another trait of ADHD and, and falls into trauma. I self-sabotage all of the good things I do for myself. I start a great diet and I'm doing well and then I just mess it up on purpose. I'm in a great relationship and I just ruin it on purpose. I'm not cool with that. Mm. Okay, well, then that could be a result of your 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 trauma that you're cool with. Okay, so now maybe I do need to talk to someone. Maybe I do need to figure it out. And it's like you said, it's not knowing that they're linked. But that's, have- that's, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> exactly what I was getting Putting diagnosis aside for a moment, I suppose if there's something that's really important here is that firstly realizing that trauma doesn't have to be I don't really know how to word it. It doesn't have to be sort of sexual assault or um, domestic violence or anything serious like that. It can, it can be, be rejected for a date. It can be. Yeah, it could be. It can be really, really simple things like, you know, not doing well on a test. And uh, that yeah. was really important to you, you know, not getting a certain job or or whatever. It, these things, you know, you collect them over time. These yeah. these seemingly insignificant, but but aren't that but but are significant traumas that then build up yeah. to create these behavioral traits that then mm-hmm. become problematic in your life. Yeah. Like, and, any- and if, as you get away with it though, you're going to continue to up the ante, right? So yeah. as as your as your behavior that you don't want shows up, you know, I don't know, self-destructive behavior, let, let's say um you're always pushing people away, you know. Um, it starts off with something, you know, something that didn't really matter, I suppose, in your life, didn't have a big impact. And it ends up with pushing away a partner or um, pushing away a family member or pushing mm. away someone at work, which then means you're not having a job anymore and things like that. So I suppose what I'm saying is ultimately is that putting diagnoses aside, it's so important that you look back over them traumas and, yeah. and sort of identify them or create a timeline even of yeah. when they happened and how they impacted you. Exactly. It's, it's if something changed the way, and, and again, there are some, and I, I use this example because it's, you know, I'm, I'm going from people that I know. There mm. are some people who basically if something has changed the way you see yourself or the world in a negative way, it's trauma. It's traumatizing. You Love know, that. even that's if, a great way to say it. Yeah. Even if it's just you, you were playing truth or dare at school and, you know, someone got dead to kiss you and they said, no, I'm not kissing her or I'm not kissing him. You know, everyone laughs it off. It's fine. But if that made you see yourself in a negative way, moving forward, if if nobody reassures you and you could you could have a, and, and again, you could have a family when you go home that are so edifying, that build you up, that remind you of how beautiful and wonderful and amazing you are all the time. And that might not affect someone like that. Mm. They might actually sit there and say, you're lost. And mean it, you know, mm. it, it depends who you are. And if you, if that did make you feel negatively about yourself, and again, if you see a car crash that you're not part of, but it makes you see the world as a dangerous, scary place and nobody sits down and says to you, look, they're, they're not as, you know, I know you've witnessed that and it's not, but they're not as common. And, you know, life, you don't have to be so scared to go out now and cautious. That witnessing that can be the, you might say I've had a great childhood upbringing, but at 30, you witness a car crash and you are traumatized because you now see the world in a negative way. And no one, and not say no one, but, or you didn't find the comfort and the reassurance and the support to tell you otherwise before it manifests into trauma. Do you know what, that right there, that, that was brilliant that you're absolutely right. You know, you, you, you took a, a really big event and a really sort of seemingly small event 
and and you sort of related them and it, it, you're right you know if it's not explained to you right after if it's not unpacked and processed in in a way in which you can accept it then mm-hmm. you're going to continuously repeat those sort of similar behaviors or um I'm avoid sure. certain things yeah you yeah. know you're going to start to judge avoid um you know that's yeah. how people don't end up going for that job they want because yeah. of a b and c before you know exactly, so yeah. you're absolutely and right what you said about people comparing like you know when people are online talking about trauma and mm. that it might be someone like myself who has you know been abused by a, a partner or lost their mum to a drug overdose and and you can say wow you know I feel like I'm experiencing CPTSD or PTSD but yeah. there's no point in me even saying anything because I haven't been for anything like that it that those things changed my view on myself and the world um and so traumatized me but again the the both things where someone says oh but i only i only walked past a car crash and saw someone on the mm. floor or i, I, I wasn't got, in the crash but that, yeah, yeah i yeah. only got rejected for a day like it was nothing yeah. but i'm i can't recover it's the same it depends who you are it depends where your fa- you know your foundation and your programming like you said um and also another thing that came up in my came up that i didn't say is when you have these big diagnoses and you know these two in particular adhd and cptsd there's loads of different ways that you see it present there's mm. loads of different things that you that you see oh that's adhd or that's trauma my cptsd or you know and and the thing is 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 that that's so daunting as well like i said earlier look at the things that where it's showing up okay so my relationships or i can't concentrate or i never complete tasks don't try to manage adhd or heal from cptsd just look at these little things and work on them one at a time Mm. one at a time just figure out dig deep ask for support how do you finish tasks when you can't concentrate or when you don't see the reward in it, even though it's important, just focus on that. If that's why you think you've got ADHD or CPTSD, focus on that. Cause when you hear the magnitude of what the diagnosis is and how many things fall under it, it can get overwhelming. And then it's, well, I've got to take medication because where do I start? And I'm not saying again, don't take medication because it can be great, but when you just say, okay, I, these are the things I struggle with. And, and until I, until I get a little grip on these, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to focus on the others right now. If they even show up for me. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the time people offer tools and stuff online, but I think what you're identifying there is that, you know, you say you're having, having problems focusing on tasks. I think it's really important in that moment that if you really want to get past it, that you try and understand what it is you would prefer to be true instead, because only then can the tools that you're using be helpful because, you know, it's like getting an Ikea cabinet um, and uh, not having the instructions, but having, you can have all the tools in the world, but if you don't know how to build it or what it looks like, then it's not, it's it's not going to be helpful. So I think in in a a first port of call, sorry. Go on. That's no, right. <laughs> I love this. This is great. How are you? <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. It is. It's, it's just, uh, it's just great. But listen, um, just the last question. Is there anything that you'd like to pass on to people that would help them with their self-development? Um, yeah, I think just following on from what we were just saying, if whether it's um, loads of, you know, whether you're trying to just better your life, um, you know, you haven't got diagnoses you're trying to manage, or even if you do, 
you know, if if you see that, okay, I can't sleep. Oh, it's because of my ADHD or I can't relate to people. Oh, it's because of my autism. Oh, I can't um, concentrate it's because of my ADHD. There's going to be so many different things that you accept those things for. And it, it you you might not get out, you know, as quickly as you could. So again, whatever it is, whatever the, the reason is that you reach out to a self-development self coach, where if it's loads and you're like, I'm never going to get my life sorted, just focus on the things that you know will enable you to be the version of yourself that has caused you, you know, there's a version of yourself that wants to come out. Mm. You've seen it, you've felt it. There's days when you are it, but then all these other things come in that feel like an enemy that just slides in and ruins things for you. And it's you. And so when you think, oh, yeah, but this enemy that slides in, it's my inability to concentrate. And it's because I've got this disorder or because I've got this. Just then, you know what? Spend a few months solely focusing on how to concentrate or how to, you know, just pick pick one yeah. thing at a time. Work on that. An area of your life that you want to see flourish. Work on that. Don't worry about all the other things that are included. Don't own these things as yours. Mm. Like I have this, so I won't, can't do this. Like you can focus on it. Like if I've been told that I've got severe combined ADHD and I'm going to have to do certain, you know, things for the rest of my life to even be productive. And don't get me wrong, I'm human. There are days when I, I can't do things as good as other days, but so. Depends on what I'm eating. Depends mm -hmm. on, you know, and, and changing what I ate helped me to level out almost all of my symptoms. You know, the co condition of your blood is important. It, it depends on where my hormones are at. It depends on interactions I've had, other people's energy and things. that. Mm. Just be easy with yourself, but know that there's something you're working on and, 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 and you know, and, and empower yourself around that because you don't yeah. have to own it. It doesn't yeah. have to be the same every day. That's just someone else's opinion that they're trying to force on you, right? You know, yeah, and it's when just people a say big, that. massive bundle of things. Oh, you've yeah. got an issue, so now you're this, 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 this. And I said, actually, I if I could focus better, I would actually not be that, that, that. So I'm going to yeah. focus, you know, that's what I'm going to do. You are great. I've loved this. I've absolutely loved it. It's been brilliant. Um, listen, tell people what's next for you and where they can find you and all the things you want to draw their attention to. Um, I would say I'm having a little social media break, actually. Um, I might pop on there today, actually. I've had the urge. Um, yeah. But I would just be announcing things on, on Instagram, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I'm changing my website, doing a little restructure. Um, you know, if anyone is interested in coaching, I'll be talking about how I'm going to be doing that moving forward. But if you if you follow me on Instagram, Penny Bell, so P-E-M-M-Y-B-E-L-L-E, um everything that I'm doing and about to do I will be talking about so yeah um and also there's a link in my bio on Instagram called the orange room and that's my online ask about that yeah, yeah that's my online community where if I am having social media breaks um I will be I won't be having a break from that so come and join the orange room it's um yeah my little online community and I always see the messages there um, and I'd love to, if, you know, if there's anything I can help with or guide or talk or whatever, just come and it's full of goodness as well. So, yeah, yeah I bet it is, man. Uh, thank you so much for today. I really, really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we might even try and wangle a little Instagram live one day and see what we can yeah, do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. 
So that's all from me for this episode. Thanks again to my podcast producer, Charlie from Chatter Podcasts. And I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Self-Development Podcast.